head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 281 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Brian Cody of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about an absolute and utter fucking bumper weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. There's us about seven seconds into the podcast on the explicit list of iTunes already, but look, these things happen in MMA. This week, we're going to be looking back at all the fights. Uh, we'll have another podcast, probably wins them. Looking forward to the fights next week because there's just there's just too much to cover. It'll end up being a fucking three hour podcast, uh, so we'll have probably two like fifty five or hour long podcasts talking about that. Anyway, probably myself and Graham or myself and Andy or someone like that will hop on, and we will have another one during the week. So you'll have that to look forward to uh, as well. If you're not subscribed to Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. There was a metric ton of stuff up there last week. Uh, you can go back and watch uh, all of that and listen to all of that. And there's like. 600 podcasts 700 odd posts on patreon now that you can go back and, and look at uh, for the price of a dublin pint a month patreon.com forward slash if you're podcast you can keep the uh, the lights turned on for us and help us do what we do now, uh, there's a lot of shit talked around the, the weekend graham a lot of fucking bullshit from journalists in, in mma and i'm fucking sick of them we're we're the ones graham aren't we they should be listening to us isn't it correct <laughs> well we'll say we'll say what we think anyway we can we can guarantee you that mm-hmm. but uh what what kind of bullshit was going on yeah right or not there's just lots of fucking bullshit see gary davis on the the bellator name, name i just named <laughs> just see gary davis on the bellator journalist gary davis on the bellator street um whatever the fuck it was the podcast saying that they're the first major uh organization back in europe there was three cage warriors cards before it well at least two anyway there was a ksw card which and if you want to go major like ksw is as major as bellator without a shadow of a doubt i'd argue most people i think could argue probably as well the cage warriors would especially when you look at bellator europe so what a lot of that like i think anyone uh, watching sure, that sure. yeah everybody everybody knows like let's be honest everybody knows gareth davis will say things that he doesn't even think about or believe or he'll just say whatever or no whatever like he's not you know what i mean it's it's nobody's going to him for like you know breakdowns or like technical or anything like that he, he's just a voice true that is true I suppose. it's not it's not researched <laughs> what was that thing he said about syria that time it was like do you remember it was just complete not a fucking bullshit he was like oh this guy can't box or something remember <laughs> like he's only he's only good on the ground or something like okay you've obviously never seen him fight but oh before his yeah. debut yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. oh god yeah. yeah and he had a podcast with um ben ben blackmore Black- was it something i liked him yeah ben Black- good. blackmore yeah, and he talks some awful shit about like European guys and UK and Irish guys who were, you know, going towards the UFC. It was just clear he just didn't even know who they were and was mm. just talking absolute nonsense. Yeah. So like, yeah, since then that was like, a good few years ago now, and since then I haven't really taken anything technically or like you know that he says about fighting seriously. 
Yeah, there's a good way to start the podcast just shitting all over the floor all again. I actually think he's a nice enough old, old chap and stuff, apparently. Like, I have but... no problem with him. I have no yeah, problem with him either. Like, like, he's a funny guy. He's, he, he does what he does, but don't be expecting him to be, like, yeah. you know, up to date on fucking fighters, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's... Some, uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we could get into a fucking hour-long debate about MMA media, but I think that's a lot of the problem as well with it, but sure, fuck it. We'll, we'll keep going anyway, and we'll uh, we'll do what we do, and sign up patreon.com for our here on my podcast. If you agree with us, that's probably a way to do it. Right, let's talk about uh, the UFC from uh, last night, and the main event versus Israel Adesanya, uh, Paulo Costa versus Israel Adesanya, and the co-main event, Jan Blachowicz versus Dominic Reyes, I think the main event went exactly <laughs> as I thought, and the co-main event went exactly as I did not think it would go, almost to, to a T, both of them. Um, let's talk about the main event first, I suppose. Adesanya, he was just so much better than Paulo Costa in all areas. Like, I, I did the rewatch last week, and we talked about it on the podcast a couple of times, and like my thing was, what does Costa do? Does he wait there and try to draw Adesanya out, or does he go and attack him? Well, what he did for most of the fight was wait there and try to draw Adesanya out. And he, do you know what? He actually did it relatively successfully, because Adesanya did come and he did attack him, and he still couldn't do anything. It was just it was just night and day in terms of skill, which I think most people that haven't watched the fights yeah. back could could have seen, could have predicted, which we did predict. I think actually in the Severe Mepics, I predicted Adesanya's second round KO, and that's exactly what happened here. The leg kicks from Adesanya uh, early were really, really good. Costa landed a couple of kicks to the body, but there really wasn't much. Uh, the big head kick then came in the second, and the strikes, uh, and we'll talk about what came after or after, but uh, performance from Adesanya, I suppose, that... Like, this reminded me of... Uh, the thing about Paulo Costa is, right? If you look at Paulo Costa and you see all the muscles and you see the size of him and all, you think this is going to be an absolute huge challenge. But then you look at his actual fights and you're thinking it probably actually won't for someone that skilled. Dan Hardy said that maybe, what, two or three months yeah. ago and people went mad at him. But I said at the time, absolutely, he's absolutely correct. Like, this was a walk in the park from Adesanya from the very start, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, a, it was a complete domination. Like, he had his leg in, in bits uh, early on and uh, just kind of did whatever he wanted. And I thought, I thought uh, before the fight that Costa might hang in a bit longer. I think I – did I go third or fourth round? I can't remember exactly what my pick was. But uh, I think maybe it was fourth round. We'll just go fourth anyway. I thought he'd last a bit longer. So um, it was maybe a little bit more impressive from Adesanya or a little bit less impressive from, from Costa as, as well, maybe. Uh, I think, as you said, like we kind of said on the podcast and on the betting show, if if Costa didn't have that zero zero losses on his record, the odds would have been completely different, in my opinion. And even with that, we, we were saying that these were the these were some some bad odds, and we, we we've talked about it in the past where you don't really get bad odds anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, just as Adesanya straight up to win, like it was like as I said on the betting show, it was just basically free money. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, yeah. So yeah. I thought it was you know, kind of like it was, it was it was really impressive. You know, mm-hmm. you can't take much away from Adesanya. You know, he he did everything perfect. Uh, you know, obviously Costa does. Like if if you if you if if you're caught sleeping, he will he will put you to sleep. But yeah. I think Adesanya is just a different level. He's just too good for that. It's not going to happen against somebody as focused and driven and talented and and just understands range and you know, just well-rounded mm-hmm. i think the thing about I, this yeah. you know you asked the question there was it adesanya fighting better or, uh, or costa kind of not being good enough i i think it was a bit of both the, the problem as well is right 
I, I picked the. I was looking at the betting, and I, I went on the betting show for for the decision for Alessandro because I thought Costa would rise, but usually we do see guys like even Dominic Reyes against uh, against John Jones. They kind of rise to the occasion, or Thiago Santos against John Jones. Even if they don't rise to the occasion, they fight in a very intelligent way. You know, they have been planning this fight for six months or whatever it might be. And they look at every intricacy of their opponent. And maybe sometimes they actually that actually hurts them in terms of winning. But it helps them in terms of making the fight go along. To me, there, there was two things there. So from Costa's side of it first, I think he did that. But he he did it in such a way that took away everything that was good about himself. Now, he did try to attack a few times, and as I said, he kicked at the body and stuff. Maybe he was playing a long game or something like that. But I think his game didn't rise to this fight, and Adesanya's game did. Adesanya, we saw against uh, Romero, he, he kind of just stood there and looked at him when Romero stood there and looked at him. Uh, it was interesting, before this, uh, Adesanya, you know, when they had that, that thing at the uh, the Wayans or stare down or whatever it was, where Costa took out the belt and Adesanya kind of reacted to it. And I saw there was a clip afterwards and he said, like, uh, it's all theatre with him. I know exactly what's going to happen. It's all theatre with him. And I was thinking of that in the fight as well. Like... Adis- um, Costa kept like, like he stood there like Romero at one stage and Adesanya goes oh you're like Romero and he was doing different things talking to him and stuff and you could see Adesanya was just reacting to it as a fighter it reminded me a little bit of uh, Bobby Green a few years ago when he was just talking to people and then getting punched in the face that's what Costa was doing like his performance was worse because of the different things he did in this fight and Adesanya's performance was better because of that but it was also better because he realised that's what was going to happen and he learned lessons from that Romero fight and was more offensive himself. Like, I thought he didn't really jab that much. But we, when you look at old fights of Costa, you see the way he kind of hits to the body. And I think Adesanya kind of wanted to be first in that area. He wanted to be first to the leg kicks, to the body kicks. Now, Costa landed a few too. But uh, I, I think Adesanya just kind of destroyed him in every every facet of the game well, one thing I think find very odd as well with d- this fight and with Adesanya in general people have kind of stopped trying to take him down which you, okay you look at a fighter and they have a few good fights where they have really good takedown defense and then you kind of say right that's not an option anymore that's one thing in MMA I think is needs to change for fighters for wrestlers for for jiu-jitsu players even in middle in the middle of fight they go for one two takedowns don't get them and then they give up on them it seems to be a recurring team in MMA and something I think is going to change after a while as well because people will will realise or adjust their game plans to be more wrestle heavy in terms of like sticking to the wrestling or sticking to the wrestling game plan. I th- like I really think Adesanya, it's going to be very hard to beat him on the feet. Uh, you, you're going to have to wrestle him. You're going to have to find ways of even pushing him against the fence to just shut down his game, make him a little bit tired and then maybe bring out the wrestling against him. But, you know, overall... Uh, I suppose that's a chat for another day. Overall, Adesanya was just uh, was just too good for Costa. What did you think of afterwards when um, Adesanya obviously finished him? Was ground upon it was Jason Herzog, I believe, who was great to see him getting big fights uh, in the main event. Stopped it, and Adesanya like rode up on his back and was like, "Did you see that? Where he was like oh, riding him like a fucking bull afterwards?" Yeah, uh, he kind of sat on him for yeah. for a few seconds afterwards. I don't know. It, it wasn't. It didn't look cool or anything. It didn't look like dominant, you know. It didn't look like he was making a fool of him or anything. It was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was It was embarrassing. Like, like it was as classless, I think, as his performance was classy. And, uh, like, people said there was beef and everything like that. But when you knock a guy out and he's hurt, like, you, 
I, I think Adesanya and Costa both knew, and we, we saw that there was a video came out of them chatting to each other, like, when they thought they were off camera, and they were, like, friendly and everything. Uh, they Look, they both knew that this was only a bit of crack coming into it or whatever. But to do that, like, when someone is hurt, uh, I don't know. Like, if he did it at the end of the round, and he was just on top of Adesanya, and he wasn't hurt, or right, on top of Costa, I would have said, yeah, that's funny, like, but... When someone is hurt like yeah, that, if you do it for mind games during the fight, like yeah. kind of, yeah, if you do it to kind of put the guy down or to mentally kind of mm-hmm. get one over on him, then it's understandable. But yeah, after the fight, you like to see guys just kind of show respect. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of you know, Adrian Broner when he used to do that in the fights, and you don't want to go down that road. But I, I think it's a funny thing as well with guys like Adesanya, and you see uh, Sean O'Malley doing the same sort of thing. Like, there's this kind of this new era of like cocky guys who just think that they can do absolutely anything I, you know it's i suppose the modern young lad i don't, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a fucking 90 year old here or anything but mma is a is a sport that we do you know we haven't really seen much of that before because everyone has been humbled and them lads you know sean o'malley already has but adesanya at some stage as well will be humbled you know we saw with mcgregor he was he was humbled and he said it himself he was humbled against nate diaz and he had to come back and he had to, to live through it you know Ronda Rousey was humbled and she wasn't able to come back and uh, and live through it. It'll be interesting to see with Adesanya what happens. It'll be interesting to see as well with Sean O'Malley uh, if he can come through it and, and do it like that. And like I'm, I'm sure they will. But I don't know. Like this, that, that Adesanya is can't bear him. And I, I, I don't hear, know. I wouldn't. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't see it as such a big deal though. Like I wouldn't I see know. it as such a big I, I thing. Was, like it's. I think it was a lot of a bigger deal than people are making thing. out. People, like people, nobody said anything about it. I was looking last night. I was the only one who said anything about it. I was like. That was one of the fucking most classless things I've seen in a long time. Like, okay, it's all right, we're in a fist fight and everything. I'm not getting up on my high horse or anything. It was grand. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Probably won't even think about it after, like, tomorrow. But I just, I didn't like it. Like, I, well, there's no need to do that. for As someone is hurt, like, he's hurt, go and fucking celebrate or go and talk shit in the press conference afterwards or whatever. But I didn't like that shit didn't like it anyway i think i like it i think it took away a little bit from the win to be honest and it took away from how amazing he looked in the fight we're after blowing about him there for the last nine or ten minutes about how amazing he was and he was but i didn't like that classless really classless but anyway um the core man back in in your day that's that that stuff (laughs) wasn't going on back in my day (laughs) that wouldn't be happening um anyway uh the core man event your boy, he did it again, Graham. He did it again. Jan Blachowicz came in there <laughs> <laughs> against Fuck's Salah. Sake. Why do I keep picking against him? Da- dancing in the streets of Warsaw. Sean Dini out there fucking drinking uh, drinking a few Zuvietzes uh, for uh, for Jan Blachowicz as he came in here. Like, I, I tweeted at the time, Blachowicz got it done. And I saw, just as I was tweeting, I saw John Anik saying, Blachowicz gets it done. It, w- it was just one of those where, it w- to me, it was one of the most, like, ballsy performances I'd seen in a long time. And someone, you know, we talked about Costa not rising to the occasion, not having the right game plan. I thought Jan Bohovic did the exact opposite. He just rose to this fight. It was, like, it was beautiful to watch. It was absolutely beautiful. From the very start, you know, with that huge body kick and reddened up his body. It was like, it was like there was a fucking hole in his body. Did you ever see those, like, tattoos where they're, like, 3D tattoos and it looks like you can see into the person's body? That's what it looked like. It looked like you could see into fucking Reyes' body. And it just, he just bludgeoned him early. In the second round, he was winning too. Reyes came back a bit, but Jan's power was just too much for him. He hurt him with the right hand. Reyes tried to come forward, but the left hand puts him on Bambi legs, and the ref stepped in to finish it. Um, a brilliant performance from Behovitz. Like, it was one of those performances, I think, where 
there isn't too much big, huge analysis or anything. He just came in there and he threw his shots. You know, he came inside a, a little bit of a smaller guy. That's one thing I would forget about Blahovic as well. He's not actually that small, but he was a little bit smaller than uh, than Dominic Reyes. And he just came inside and he landed his big shots, landed straight down through the middle. He was fast, he was precise, had a better chin than Reyes as well, and uh, was able to get it done. Were you impressed by Blahovic's performance? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I definitely didn't expect that. Like, uh, basically a domination, and like as you said, that fucking body kick, unbelievable. Like the 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 mark that I left on the side so quickly. Usually, you, see, you might see that over like a really long four or five round fight where somebody's working the body a lot, but straight away, you know, the, the I don't know what that hit, that kick hit, but it definitely did some serious damage. Um, and you and you know, I, I think. The confidence of Reyes kind of dwindled as the, as the fight went on, and uh, Jan was just just all over him and just just some rose to the occasion and grabbed the grabbed the belt. I just really didn't see it coming. Uh, I know I always always pick against Jan, but uh, this time is he really is probably the most impressive performance of his of his career, and obviously the biggest. Uh, the biggest win of his career, winning the, the light heavyweight championship. And if you had asked me a few years ago, would Jan Blachowicz be the light heavyweight champion? I would have said no way. So, yeah, I was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> completely yeah, wrong. he didn't beat John Jones, in fairness, though. You know, it's uh, it, it's an interesting time for this title because you, we saw, I spoke about on the podcast during the week, that the middleweight title before when, um, when Anderson Silva went away, I think Chris Weidman won it, but... I think I predicted at the time, and a few more people predicted, like, Weidman was never going to be a long-term champion, I don't think, and Rockhall picked it up, and Bisping picked it up, and Whitaker, and a few more people, and obviously Adesanya looks like he's going to be a, a long-term champion now, and has been in some ways. The thing about Blahovic here is, like, it's interesting when you look at him, because you think, right, Blahovic is not the best light heavyweight in the world, I think everyone would probably agree. It, like... Is he going to hold on, to, hold on to it for a long time? Like, w- the problem with this is, with John Jones away, there aren't that many challengers there. Like, there aren't that many guys who are coming up who are going to beat Jan Blachowicz. I wonder what Daniel Cormier, I think, about coming back and fighting again because he'd probably have a good chance of winning it. But, you know, you have Thiago Santos. You have uh, Glover Teixeira who are fighting soon. I think one of them got the Rona, but they'll, they'll be fighting again soon. You have Rakic, Prohachka coming through. Again, Johnny Walker, the good win last weekend. And there's a few more people there as well. But... It's not a great division, you know. It's not. Do, 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 do you think Adesanya would be thinking about hmm, that? Looks that double that, champ thing might be might be a good idea the, right now. The second Blahovic won, that was the first thing that went <laughs> through my mind. It's like if Adesanya wins tonight, he's going to call him out, and then he called out Jared Cannonier. It's like what Jared Cannonier? I think he's fighting Robert Whitaker coming up, who and he'll probably lose to Robert Whitaker. And you're calling out a guy, a Jared Cannonier like. Uh, I couldn't. I actually couldn't believe it. Like the, the like, yeah, I, I uh, uh, like he, the only worst call I could have been like Chris Camozzi or yeah. <laughs> for fuck's sake. He's <laughs> yeah, just so like, stupid. what are you talking about it was here? So stupid, like. It was, and I bet you there's people listening to this and go, no, Jarkin near, no, he's the, he's the next in line and all. But like, if you if you're the champion, right, and you want to say. I'll take whoever's next, whoever's next in line, give them to me. I actually think you actually have the right to do that. At, at times, if there's no obvious challenger at middleweight, like there is for uh, for Adesanya. But you don't say, oh, if this guy wins, this kind of no-name guy, and I know Cannonier's good. I've, I've talked up Cannonier for years. I think he's a very good fighter. I think he'll be a very good fight. But you don't say, you don't say the name of Jared Cannonier 
in the cage after a fight. You just do not say that. Like any casual uh, watching is just like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, <laughs> like, they're like, what is going on here? It it was one of the weirdest ones I've seen in a long time. Like it, like fair enough, like if Cannoneer won and he goes out and calls out Adesanya, and then like you know if it happened on the undercard of this card, fair enough. Then like you know he's next, but or there's some kind of beef there yeah. or some something going on, it's not like, just uh, uh, yeah. I like him. Okay, yeah, like maybe like mathematically or like yeah, maybe you could argue that that he deserves a shot, but uh, to, to get a huge win like that and then. You know, you have a chance to kind of call your shot and, yeah, you want to talk to Dana about your teammate and you want to call out Jared Cannonier. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, Definitely a misstep there, I think. A hundred percent. Like, I, I, what you said about Blahovic, I think it would have made a lot of sense for uh, Adesanya. I think what Adesanya wants to do, though, in fairness, is uh, he said he wants to keep Bon Anderson Silva's legacy. And I've actually no problem with that. It was just kind of the way... No, he could, he should have said that. I want to keep on Anderson Silva's legacy, and what he did was fought the next guy and the next guy and the next guy, and whoever the next guy is, that's who I want to fucking fight, and that's who I want to beat. And that would have been a good promo. Like I would have been enjoyed that. But if he had called out Blahovic and go, I want to beat Jan Blahovic. He just won tonight, and then I'm gonna beat John Jones when he loses at heavyweight, when he gets humbled by my my brother uh, Francis Ngano, and when he comes back down, I'm gonna humble him at light heavyweight as well. Like that would well, imagine that for a call out. That would have been absolutely fucking fantastic. Uh, but uh, it wasn't to be. Like Adesanya, I think he's. <sighs> I don't know if he as smart as he thinks he is either in terms of, like, the, the things he does to, to promote himself. Like, he is some... I think some things he's really, really good at. Like, on on Twitter and stuff like that, I think he's good. And he... Uh, on Online and Instagram. And he, this Puma thing that he... I thought was fantastic. The You know, that promo he did in the... Uh, the, the sponsorship he's got, I think that fits really, really well. I think they got Neymar as well, so it's really good. But, yeah, I don't know. When when he doesn't have time to think about it, maybe he gets caught out. But I don't know. Uh, he makes up for in the cage anyway because he's so phenomenal. But however... Uh, but he had, time, he had time to think about it. Like, he's obviously yeah. assuming he's going to win and get to get to speak afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, no disrespect to Jared Cannon here. Like, we're, we're kind of saying, like... We're not crashing the skills. We're just the, the the big fight value is not there. Yeah, indeed, hundred um, percent. There was big fight value though in this Brandon Royval versus Kai Kara friends. Even though we might have, you know, many people did, maybe weren't uh, up for this fight hugely, but there was a round of the year candidate in the first round here. Absolute fucking madness. <laughs> there was like an almost a double knockout with the elbow, I think, from Royval and was it maybe a straight right or straight left hand spinning from Kai back fist, was it? Yeah. Well, was it was it an back elbow? elbow. I think it was an elbow. Yeah, I don't, well, yeah, I think it was an elbow. But it was just madness. Like these two flyaways just gone out here, just kicking the absolute shit out of each other. And in the second round, Dane Car- Kai Carafans like fuck this, I'm going wrestling. Picked him up, went to slam him on the ground, and rival caught his neck and guillotined him in 48 seconds of the of the second round. It was just fucking utter madness. <laughs> and this one, I absolutely love this fight. And Rival is one of those guys, I think, like Kai Kara France, because he was on Gotham Fighter a while back, and he was uh, a guy with kind of a name and who people liked. I think we kind of, a lot of us kind of picked him coming into this, but Rival is no joke, is he? He looked like he's a very, very good fighter. He's big and tall for that division as well, very slender, but he's a, he's a good fighter, isn't he? 
Yeah, he looked, he looked really good. Uh, obviously, uh, Kai Carafans uh, is a lot more experienced and I thought he'd have the advantage on the feet. But uh, early on, it, you could, as you mentioned, it turned into this crazy fight and double knockdown and submission attempts and scrambles and, and yeah it was just it was just crazy and fun to watch and you know this is what these these kind of fights are, are what you want on the the prelims like you end up getting a lot of you know decisions um obviously this wasn't on the prelims but yeah, um hard, these are the kind of fights the only yeah, the not, they're not main fights like mm-hmm. the outside of the, the title fights or the, the big fights these are the kind of fights you, you need on these um on these pay-per-views so yeah they they really you know, lit up the card. Indeed, indeed they did. Uh, then Ketlin Vieira versus Sajara Eubank kind of went as, as we uh, all expected, I suppose. A good comeback win for, for Vieira, I suppose. A kind of a good matchup for her. Uh, although I thought Eubanks might cause her a little bit more trouble, but still relatively early in, in Eubanks' career at, at Bantamweight, and she'll, uh, she'll come back as well. I, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Eubanks ended up getting a title shot at Bantamweight in maybe two or three years' time. I think uh, she just has a style that's kind of improving, improving on the feet. She's good on the ground and stuff. So, Ketlin Vieira just a little bit ahead of her at the moment. So, good performance from Vieira there, bouncing back from the loss uh, there. Was it last year? Uh, Hakim Daudu versus Zuberia Tehugov. What about this? Yeah, decision? how did you score this? I had to yeah, I had it. I had the first two rounds for Tukugov. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, like the first round, I think it was pretty clear. The second round was closer, but yeah, I was surprised. I was definitely surprised that uh, Tukugov didn't get the the nod. Yeah, I thought it was very close, but yeah, I thought the Hugov won the the first two as well. Like he just seemed he's deceptively quick to Hugov. Like I, I was looking at this fight, and every time like he exited. Uh, from combinations, he looked wide open for the right hand. I think uh, Lerone Murphy, you know, the, the UFC fighter, tweeted back at me as, after I said that, and he goes, "He's going to get caught by a head kick doing the you know the exact same thing I was talking about." And <laughs> he did exactly as uh, as that happened in the, in the third round, as Tuhugov maybe got a little bit more tired. But yeah, I thought he like he he looked he looks like one of these guys Tuhugov. He kind of looks like he's losing while landing the more shots, you know. Um, but it it was definitely it was definitely a close one. But yeah, I, I would have scored it for uh, for Tuhugov. Not not to go full Graham McDonald here, but like I I need to go back and watch it again to <laughs> to make sure a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I thought it was a very good fight. Yeah. I thought it was a high level fight. Um, it was a catch yeah, right I, I, I think it is hard, you know, to to watch these kind of fights that aren't of great significance, yeah. like like a judge when you're when you're not judging them. Like you know, obviously you're you're kind of glued to the screen for a, a title fight or a, or a, like a big importance fight, but you, you like to to say it's a robbery or anything like that. You'd have to definitely go back and watch it. But uh, I I think it was just the wrong decision with a really close second round. Yeah. So I don't think there's any problem there. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, Brad Riddell, Alex De Silva, unanimous decision for Riddell. I don't I don't even remember the two of them existed. That fight happened, apparently. Uh, and then Jake Matthews. Well, well, we'll get to Diego Sanchez in a second. Ludovic Klein looked absolutely phenomenal. One of the best guys uh, around this part of the world fought in cage warriors a couple of times in a round. I saw um, Danny Rubenstein talking about him yesterday, the manager, saying that he everyone wanted to sign him and he said he'd wait for his UFC chance and he ended up getting it here. Obviously missed weight, but uh, it was on short notice and he beat Shane Young, who's been around for a long time. And uh, William Knight got a pretty boring win over Alexa Kamor. There was a nice scarfold for Juan Espino Diapa against Jeff Hughes and Danilo Marquez and Cadiz Igamahirov put on one of the most boring fights we've seen in a long time in the UFC. But uh, Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews. Like, 
I think uh, Conor McGregor actually tweeted it like an hour ago <laughs> today, waking up watching the fights, maybe, that uh, Diego Sanchez, he still wants to fight Diego Sanchez, which is a bit weird, but that Diego Sanchez has been terribly disrespected. And I feel like he has, like, Diego, okay, he got beaten by Jake Matthews, a guy probably, what, 13, 14 years, he's, he's younger, uh, and uh, he's junior even, and uh, looked old and looked out of shape and fat, but uh, welterweight Diego Sanchez has kind of always been that, he looked a little bit worse there, but I don't think he fought necessarily terribly, he didn't get destroyed until the third round where he lost the 10-8, I think, in all three judges' cards, but, you know... Okay, Diego, we say it all the time in MMA, people should be retired, Diego should be retired five years ago, I love Diego Sanchez, and I I love him more to be retired, you know, we've seen all we need to see from Diego Sanchez, but like, the people kind of laughing at him with Stephen Bonner and he's uh, he's cornering that other guy, okay, who is a bit of a laughing sock in fairness, but like... I, there's just a lot of disrespect. I like I tweeted last night. It's just not not me just agreeing with what Conor McGregor tweeted. I tweeted myself. There's an utter disrespect to Diego Sanchez. He's a legend of the sport. Like, to give you know, Diego Sanchez doesn't need a coach. Diego Sanchez can fucking coach himself, and he can go in there and fucking fight himself <laughs> as well. You know, he's he, there's no more battle-tested man in the world of MMA than Diego Sanchez. Like. Give the man some fucking respect. There's, there's different, there's different, different rules for Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, anybody who's following him from the Ultimate Fighter, just he's a bit crazy, you know all that like um, yes stuff, the the nightmare when he walked to the cage holding the cross and all. Everybody, everybody knows he's a bit crazy, so you just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, look, a good, good performance stuff from Jake Matches as well. So fair play to uh, to him winning that there. Right, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, Cage Warriors, and then we'll get to the Bellator as well. So we'll start from the start, Cage Warriors, uh, 1-14 uh, here in the main event. We had Luke Shanks versus Samir Fadin. Shanks won that with a dominant display. Uh, I think one judge had a 50-41, which I agreed with, and it was insane. Jake Hadley won in the co-main event to probably set up that fight there, so really good. Figlak brothers looked fantastic uh, on that. Aaron Khalid got a really good submission as well. Adam Amasinger as well did really well. And then we had the Irish guys. I suppose we, we talked about this a little bit on Patreon, but just to mention them here again... Um, John Mitchell looked really, really good. Got a, a submission with a rear naked choked after his uh, his opponent Alan Braginski came in, and uh, you know, big muscle bone bone guy looked like he caught John Mitchell on the inside and got a finish. Uh, uh, and uh, Mitchell was still able to get the finish, got on top, and landed some good stuff. And then Jack McGuire uh, beat Kieran Mulholland over unanimous decision uh, over three rounds, which was uh, you know a workman like performance from uh, from Jack McGuire, but good to get uh, on in winning ways. Two Cork boys, Graham. What did you What did you think? Good to see him getting the wins in cage wires, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was a great week for the the Irish fighters, the up and comers. Uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about it how how difficult it is to get fights, and even before all the COVID stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's vital these guys get experience and get these fights and uh, have their these chances to show what they can do and prove themselves and get a fan base behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, and so yeah, for, yeah. for credit them, you know, like obviously, like you know, we'll talk about other guys who are a little bit further on in their career, but everybody has to start somewhere. Like these guys don't don't come out looking like um, you know polished, well rounded guys at the very start of their career. They, they need they need time, and this is vital. Mm-hmm. How was the dog getting on there in the background? Is he, is he like a bit of John Mitchell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a big big fan, apparently. Big, I big, didn't know until now. Big, big fan of Cork, I'm a bit, But yeah, it was uh, 
good, good, a good card, and all, all, like all these cards are good. My favorite card must be the the uh, Cage Warriors one fifteen card. Or started at nine, nine o'clock. I had a podcast and all recorded and done by twelve o'clock. <laughs> Those three fights, main card, all finishes, no undercard, absolutely brilliant. We go from uh, we go from top to bottom. Uh, Jack Cartwright came in here and beat Gerardo Fanny uh, in one round with a an arm triangle choke. Like I, I'd watched, uh, I watched some of Fanny before this uh, coming into the fight, and he he looked really really good. You know, he's strong on the bottom. When guys took him down, he was able to get straight back up. Good big striking. And that kind of materialized here for a second. Cartwright took him down and stayed on the ground for a minute, but Fanny, you know, exploded and got straight back up uh, at one stage as well. But Cartwright took him straight back down. What I was talking about earlier on, keeping uh, onto your game, your your wrestling game, and that's exactly what Cartwright did here. Took him down, dominated him on top, and got the arm triangle choke. Like, Jack Cartwright is one of these guys that maybe for some people he's flying under the radar, but for other people they're thinking, like, this guy is ready this he's just he he's just simply very good like he's not well sometimes he can be like really exciting he can get big knockouts and big finishes like you know he got a big finish here in, in terms of uh the submission but i think he's just a very kind of meat and potatoes fighter who who can have like that extraordinary piece to him as well i really like Harry. you a fan of cartwright as well you are yeah, like it's an it's an impressive win. Um, I saw a lot of people talking up Fanny and saying picking Fanny as well before the fight. So, uh, Cartwright kind of proved a lot of people wrong, and you know he did it in an impressive fashion. And you know he's been busy since the start of twenty nineteen, and he, he's he's got all finishes except for except for his last one against an experienced guy. Um, so yeah, I think like you know uh, there won't be there won't if he if he can win one one or two more, there, it won't be long before he's you know. Heading to heading to Fight Island or heading to to the Apex. Yeah, 135 pound division as well. There's lots of guys in that division, and uh, yeah, I, I agree that probably will uh, will come pretty soon. But uh, he, you know, he hasn't that many fights. He's nine and zero now. I wouldn't mind seeing him getting one or two more fights in Cage Wars before he goes either. Uh, and the same can be said for another couple of guys who we'll get to in a while. But um, after that, then we had obviously a few fights fell out because of the the coronavirus, which we uh, discussed in the over in the Patreon podcast. Uh, the the um, Matthias Frederick fight unfortunately fell out, and uh, Adam, for our point of view, the Adam Ventra versus Decky McAleena fight, which a lot of people I think had down as fight of the week uh, in terms of cage wires, unfortunately fell out. So hopefully they can make that fight again. And I think Graham Bynum tweeted a picture yesterday of like the trilogy two is coming. So. I don't know if that's going to be in November. They're talking about November card. That'd be fantastic. And uh, if we be we could make that fight again, that'd be absolutely brilliant. But and uh, the co-main event, James Webb and, and Craig White. Obviously, we've seen Craig White in, in the UFC before the Thundercat. And uh, James Webb, Ireland's own James Webb, to fighting out of Team KF. Got a, got a good win here, I think. The thing about James Webb is we've seen him on before. He's really good in top position, really, you know, uh, really heavy on top. But maybe it's like the finishing ability or the, you know, the the ability to dominate in terms of like scoring on the judges' cards that is the one thing that left him behind. But maybe this sort of uh, and he's been improving. His last couple of fights, he's been he's been improving in that. But maybe this is the sort of way, you know, the catch wrestling sort of uh, uh, sort of approach where he. You know, dominates on top, is heavy on top, and then goes for the submissions and gets head and arm chokes like this. You know, he's that sort of body shape. He's that sort of guy as well, and that game might actually suit him. And I think uh, he looked good doing it here against uh, Craig White. What do you think of James Webb? You know, Team KF doing good. Obviously, we'll get to Ian Gary in a second, but uh, good to see Chris Fields and, and his gym doing well, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, the more the more Irish James doing well is better for everybody, and you know uh, people are starting to adopt James Webb as a as a an, an Irish an Irishman. <laughs> but if it was the other way around, and the the UK were trying to adopt an Irishman as a as a Brit, we'd probably be eight hundred years. Have a different opinion. Eight hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah no like the the fight like you know craig white is obviously as you said been in the ufc fought some experienced tough guys it's, it's a big win for james webb and not only is it a big win it's a, it's a big quick finish you know uh it wasn't um it wasn't like a grinding fight where where he, he just lay on the guy and you know out grappled him as you said it, he had to finish there and to finish a, a ufc guy is definitely uh you know, a feather in his cap. This, I think, this definitely some, as you say, this is definitely some uh, developing to go. But I think he's at a good gym. They seem to be, they seem to be doing all the right things, all the correct things, getting things right, getting the wins. We'll talk about Ian Gary in a minute. Like you know, he's 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 uh, obviously out of the same gym, so uh, he seems to be in the right place, and he seems to be improving every fight. So it'd be interesting to see how far he goes. Like. Mm-hmm. The 185 pound division uh, outside of the UFC isn't 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 very isn't uh, like maybe I'm I'm not aware of a lot of fighters that are good, but um, I, I I don't see any obvious matchups for him to really test him. But I think taking three, four, five more fights before going to the UFC is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we we we'll get to Gary more in a second, but yeah, the, the Craig. Craig White as well retired afterwards in in the cage, so uh, looking forward to seeing his next one. But uh, yeah, no, he's been a he's been a good fighter for a while as well. Um, Jack Grant got the win over Yassine Belhaj, who had at least two Brazilian taps here, uh, but he got the mounted tra- uh, mounted guillotine even, uh, and a really good win for Jack Grant, who's been around for a long time. It's nice to see him getting a win. And Wesley Amaya looked absolutely fantastic. He just smashed him. There was a soccer kick to the face at one stage. We kind of just told you the story of this fight. You know, he kicked the legs off him and just... It was almost a leg kick KO before the, the soccer kick and the ground. But he didn't kick too bad with it. Adam Wilson got back up. Uh, all, all credit to him and, and stayed in there. But uh, he was able to get the finish there in uh, at the end of round one. The, the ref didn't let him come out for the uh, the second round. And I think it was probably the right decision. He did a, did a good job there. And then uh, Ian Gary... Obviously, came in here against George McManus and looked looked fantastic. Uh, he had a good few left hooks though in the first round, which you know I interviewed him during the week, and that was the sort of thing he said is like I don't want to get hit, and he did get hit here early, but I thought in the second round, um, he he looked better there. In the first, it was in the first round. I think he got on top and he landed some heavy ground and pound. There was a leg lock in from McManus, who was known as a, a ground guy and who's known as a jiu-jitsu guy. He's been doing it for the last seven or eight years since he was a young guy. So for Gary to kind of win in that position and not, you know, look in trouble with the with the leg lock and with other submissions was uh, was very very good. As I said in round two, his defense improved a bit, landed some head kicks. His jab looked really really good, and he was just he was just too much for McManus. And what I liked as well from Gary, I think I don't know what actually. I, 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 if I was in this position where I'm Ian Gary or somewhere else, I don't know how... And maybe they're just used to it because it's in the gym, and that's exactly what it is now thinking about. But to have Chris Fields roaring at you to do stuff as, like, you have a guy hurt and you're trying to, like, take your time and bide your time and land the right shot, that must be an awful hard thing. But I suppose it's just normal for him to do it there. But I thought he was really good in that position when he had McManus hurt. or Not necessarily hurt, but kind of stunned, and you could realise, right... The shots aren't coming back from McManus. He doesn't have the same amount of defense. I need to pick him apart here. I thought Gary did that really, really well. And it was, 
I think Andy Andy Stevenson put up on the website was a highlight reel finish, and that's what it was. It wasn't this big one punch or one kick knockout. It was probably a thirty punch TKO, and I I love seeing that from fighters. You know, we've talked about it before with guys who sometimes the guys get them hurt and they lose the head and they push them against the cage and they close the distance and they can't pick their shots from range. I thought Gary did that very, very well. And that's a good sign for someone four fights in, you know, who's a lot of hype behind him as well. Uh, maybe they're, you know, that's that's a humble thing to do as well, I think, to do that. And it's a smart and intelligent thing to do. And maybe that's something that uh, that someone wouldn't always do when, when they're kind of being blown up by a lot of people as the next thing to do. But that's a good sign for Gary. Were you uh, were you as impressed by his performance as I was? Yeah, I think it was a it was a great performance and uh, like you know uh, a really good developmental fight for for yeah. him for his career. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's he maybe he is, but I don't think he's in a big rush to go to the the UFC like like you know some guys when they get the four five six and out they're they're in a big rush. And I think you know obviously it was a really good performance, but it's it's a really good learning fight for him. He had he he showed some really really good stuff some some really good techniques some good patience some good fight iq but he also as you said was getting hit with left hands that maybe if if he was fighting at a, a level against a better or more experienced guy too quickly he might have you know been in a lot of a lot of trouble so he can go back and study that tape with his coaches and figure these things out like he obviously he obviously has some extremely good parts of his game but as a developing young fighter he obviously has some some things he needs to, to work on and the same thing I was kind of saying with James Webb like he, he, I think sticking around in cage warriors and and fighting regularly for the next couple of years is is the best thing to do yeah, I hundred percent. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from. This is just like when you're four and zero, three and zero, four and zero. This is this is the smart path to take. He said the exact same thing himself though. When I interviewed him the other day, like he said, he he's no problem. Let's say if he was to get the cage or his belt in the next two fights, he said that he wouldn't mind getting three, four, five fights, whatever. Uh, you know, Chris Fields thinks whatever Ian Dean thinks uh, to to get him forward. Like he's gonna do it, and I love to hear guys you know talking like that because to have a long and good and prosperous career you have to be developed properly like that's a big problem in MMA these days and I think a guy say like Ian Gary or like Paul Hughes or whoever it might be even in in Bellator or whatever if you have those extra two three developmental fights that bring your game on you know even if you take a loss in the middle and, and come back from it I I think you'll have an advantage over the guys who are thrown into the UFC or in that this Dana White contender series and are fighting, you know, a Jake Matthews in their first fight in the UFC when they're six and zero or something like that. You'll have an advantage over them if you're getting into the UFC and maybe you're, you know, twelve and two or you know ten and one or te- nine and zero or you know twelve and zero or something like that. And I think I think people may be cutting on to that a little bit now and. You know, I said it straight out to Ian Gary. I've asked him that same question three or four times because that's a worry with guys like this who have a lot of hype coming through, who people know about, who, you know, Ariel and he's tweeting about, and we've been talking about him for years and years uh, on the, obviously, Europe's biggest podcast. It's it's uh, it's an issue that they're going to have to deal with, and I think Chris Fields kind of knows that as well. It's like, I can't let this kind of, this runaway train get away <laughs> get away altogether, and uh, it's uh, it look it's looking like it is it is a runaway train because he did, he did unbelievably well, uh, but he seems to uh, have his head on his shoulders. Even though he's a bit of uh, a lot of confidence and a bit of a bit of cockiness too, which you need to be an MMA fighter, but uh, really good against a good stiff test like Jordan too. Yeah. yeah. 
even even we were, we were talking about the the fact that you need these developmental fights for your fighting game, but also to get the kind of fan base behind you, yeah. it's good to be the kind of top guy in Cage Wars rather than just another guy on the the fucking fight pass prelims or whatever of a random UFC card. Mm-hmm. So like it has a like uh, obviously I think as you were saying he that's in his mind now but we've seen guys kind of talk like that and then they get a few wins and then all of a sudden they're campaigning for a certain UFC card so you know hopefully he takes his time and but it looks at things um he will but with fighters you just never know the i think one thing as well for the irish guys these days they have a huge advantage over guys even from wales or from england and stuff like that it's because mcgregor came before him and there's like and already a base of Irish fans there, but there's also a base of like Irish media and people who are like respected in the game. That if we say something, people will kind of take note and kind of listen. If we say it three or four times, people are going to know about it. You oh, know, you, you're talking about you, you're talking about PT Carroll, or <laughs> yeah, that, no, but like you, you see it. <laughs> we, no, we we uh, mentioned Ian Gary a few times. And then you see, like, Ariel talking about it. And Paul Hughes, people are... You know, Ariel t- t- uh, tweeted about Paul, uh, Ian Gary. And then a few people said, wait for Paul Hughes tomorrow night. You know, I think... D- do they have that in Wales? Do they have that in England? I'm not actually sure they do, you know. Uh, and and that, that that might be... Uh, you know, or that we definitely is, I think, an advantage. And I'm not just saying it's us and it's actually not us. It's because of, <laughs> of Conor McGregor coming through, like, and we just happened to fucking ride the coattails coming along, you know, uh, even though we were there before it as well. But however, you know you know what I mean? But it's it. I think it's an advantage for them. And if they use it properly, you know, uh, they could uh, they could definitely use it to their advantage. But however, uh, let's talk about the next Cage Warriors card, then and we'll get to uh, Bellator uh, as well. Uh, so it's Cage Warriors one one six. Uh, we go from the bottom to the top. Uh, Leon Hill came in on short notice. He's another guy coming out of uh, Team KF, uh, and I was kind of half watching this because the Richie Smollin fight was on at the same time. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure Joshua and Wardy did enough to win the decision here. Kind of got on top. There was a lot of clinching against the cage, and uh, Anwardi was on top as well. And, and three rounds. Look on, on short notice. He's uh, Cage Warriors debut. He was in the background of my interview with Ian Gary the other day, and a few hours after, or maybe the early the next day. He got the call to fight, so he stepped in here quickly, and uh, I'm sure he'll be back again. Uh, the, the Morgan Sherry and Max Koga fight uh, fell out of this as well, and Jack Collins, who was supposed to fight on Wardy, uh, fell out as well. Uh, Kyle McClurkin then, he was dominating the first round against Christian Duncan, and then 12 seconds into the second round, Duncan came out, and I think it was an elbow against the cage he landed, and got a good finish against, uh, against Kyle McClurkin. Um, Jordan Vucinich got a split decision then against uh, Steve Amiable uh, Sam Creasy won the unanimous decision uh, against Nicholas LeBlond and uh, Kieran Lister won a unanimous decision against uh, Tom Mearns as well so you know that three fight stint there was probably the you know, not bad fights at all, but it was probably the, the one sent in the cage warriors weekend that people were like, oh, it's dragging a little bit. But uh, it came back then again, and there was plenty of Bellator at the same time as well, so people weren't too mad. But uh, Paul Hughes, this Paul Hughes fight, right? And I'm <laughs> not the blow guys out of proportion here or anything, but you know who reminded me of this Paul Hughes fight? It reminded me of John Jones, and I'll tell you why. It was one of those performances where, remember we always used to say about it, John Jones would go in and he'd fight a guy where the guy is at their best. You know, if he fought a wrestler, he'd go in and he'd try to wrestle him. He fought a jiu-jitsu guy, he'd go to the ground and try to submit him. He fought, you know, Lyoto Machida, he'd try to kickbox with him or do a bit of karate with him and stuff like that. Paul Hughes came in here 
and I was talking about everyone was talking about Aiden Stevens, a really good grappler. He's going to push you against the cage, and he's going to make it tough in that sort of position. Paul Hughes pushed him against the cage. He got takedowns. He got on top. He like there wasn't that much striking in this fight. No, there was bits and pieces of striking, and Paul Hughes did win well there and won there. But he was dominating him against the cage. He was dominating him on the ground. And he ended up getting the rear naked choke in the third round. People might look at this, and I, I spoke about this fight beforehand and said it could have been this sort of fight. It could have been a bit, a bit blood and guts, a tough fight, and it was a tough fight. And Stephen and I thought fought well as well. But this was the sort of fight where you look and you say, right, you're looking before this fight, and does, does Paul Hughes have a well-rounded game? Can he fight everywhere against all different sort of uh, opponents? And I think this proved an awful lot. I think this proves more than Paul Hughes' big head kick knocks out, knockouts and things like that. This I was really, 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 really impressed uh, with this performance and the way he did it. You know, the mindset he had coming into this fight and uh, the performance he put on was, was really good. What, what did you think of uh, of Paul Hughes versus Aiden Steven in the comment of Inter? Yeah, I think he kind of is able to prove that he can he can do it all. He's like he's not just a striker. Maybe people thought that from his kind of his pro debut, and then he kind of had a layoff. So that kind of that kind of was the only kind of pro evidence people had, and that kind of became the opinion. And he does have really, really good striking. Like uh, as you said, like it's it's not he did win on the feet, and he has won on the feet in every every fight we've seen him in his pro career. So there's, uh, it's not as if he ha- like he's fallen back on his wrestling. He's he's out there to prove he can do everything, and he's getting finishes with his hands. He's getting finishes with his grappling, and he's he's developing the way he should. He's moving up slowly, fighting more experienced guys, tougher guys, guys with supposed advantages over him and proving himself and to himself and to everybody. And, you know, he's taken the right path and I hope he continues to do that. And I, I think he will from, from what, what we know of him. We, we've been watching him a long time since he was an amateur. Um, it obviously takes time to develop as we talked about earlier, but he really seems to be putting everything together brilliantly now. Like uh, the, the, the flow between his, his different um, phases of, of martial arts is, is brilliant. Um, he, he, I don't want to get carried away, but he does look like a, a real, real prospect if 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 this if uh, if he's handled correctly. If he doesn't go too quickly towards the the UFC and or whatever it's, the the big fights like we mentioned with the other guys earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Um Mads Burnell going to the UFC if I'm not mistaken now and he is I think that is a blessing in disguise for for uh for Paul Hughes because that's a tough fight to get we talked about this before that's a very tough cage warriors fight but I think uh, almost all the rest of these these featherweights in that division Paul Hughes will beat him and he's six and all now maybe if he gets one two more fights and then say at nine and all like maybe a Mason Jones he's fighting for the title then I think that'd be absolutely perfect um I I can't talk highly enough about him. Uh, himself and Ian Gary and John Mitchell coming through and we'll talk about the Bellator guys because there's a lot of good performances there it's been a great week for Irish I think Andy Stevenson put up 7-2 and two this week or something like that and one of those losses was a short notice Leon Hill loss um, so uh, you, you know so you can maybe discount that one a little bit but um, a very good week for Irish and fantastic by Paul Hughes but before we get to Bellator uh, Mason Jones uh, against Adam Proctor like Mason Jones <laughs> I was talking to a couple of people about this fight before it, and the worry here was Adam Proctor is a big, strong guy, and Mason Jones has gone up to fight him at his uh, at his regular weight, and he's gone up to fight him um, 
uh, he's going up to fight him with a lot on the line because there's a lot of people talking about Mason Jones going to the UFC and that he is going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be the next good guy. And me included, I think he's fantastic. And he came in here and he landed big shots on Adam Proctor. And Proctor took those shots and he came back and he bloodied up Mason Jones a little bit if I'm if memory serves me right, I watch about ten thousand fights, but Mason Jones came back and he kept landing those shots and he got the finish in the first round. I like this is one of the fights where if you're looking at it on this fight alone you think, right, maybe Mason Jones isn't as you know, the most polished and best fighter in the world, but if you look at the circumstance behind it and you look at him back down at light lightweight after this I think this is a really good fight for him to prove that he can come through a big challenge like this in terms of someone who's really, really strong. And getting a challenge, it'll be hard to get a challenge like this, I think, at lightweight, you know, especially coming into the UFC. Uh, obviously, higher up the weights, you can get it like that as well. But it was, it was a, there was a lot of proven performances on this Cage Warriors card for me. And I think Mason Jones is, is a very slick striker and a very, a very, very good guy. Uh, and down at uh, uh, lightweight, again, when he goes into the UFC, which he will pretty soon, he's going to cause problems. But uh, yeah, I was very impressed. Any, any words of Mason Jones, Graham? What do you, uh, what do you think of him? <laughs> Yeah, he, be, he became the, the two-way champion as well. We must mention that uh, in Cage Warriors and, uh, you know, uh, stepping up a weight, especially a 15-pound weight is no joke or 15-pound weight difference is, is, is no joke. So, he, he, you know, maybe he didn't look in the in the same shape. Maybe he didn't do it exactly the right way, but his skills just were, were just way better. And uh, I kind of expected him to go through Proctor and, and he did. I think the bloodied up was just kind of, you know his lips, as as yeah. he mentioned. I don't think there was. I don't think he was ever in too much danger or no, anything like no. that. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, he's definitely. It's, it's it's hard to see anybody beating him in the in the fifty five division and in Cage Warriors. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he put Joe McCoggan away in the first round. He put Adam Proctor away in the in the first round at, at the weight above. I don't know. Like uh, the UFC must be soon for him. Yeah, 100%. Uh, right, let's talk. Before, actually, before we move to Belter, Dean Barry had a win over as well in the UAE, I believe it was. Uh, he looked... It was one of those fights where it was a very much a striker versus a grappler matchup, but uh, he got taken down and dominated the ground, but never gave up for, for one second, even though he, like, he... He looked, he's only two fights into his career, three fights into his career, whatever it is, so there's obviously a lot of improvements, and I think he's fighting out of uh, Owen Roddy's gym, so I'm sure he'll make them, but once it got to the feet, he just absolutely dominated and got a lovely walk-off, uh, one-punch left-hook KO, so a very good win uh, for Dean Barry there uh, in that one. Um, over to Bellator then, and the Euro Series 8, Danny Nyland obviously coming out for Ireland, lost the first round pretty heavily, and uh, looked looked to be in trouble maybe entering the second round but she came back and she got a uh she got a, a lot of damage like neil Siri style from the bottom and claire lopez was like oh i'm in a i'm in a fight here and then was able to get the back and get the, the rear naked choke uh so a really good comeback win another fight that a proven fight again i think for danny nyland and uh, a very good win for her uh there uh, after that, then for the Irish, Richie Smullen got back to winning ways. Another, another one of uh, another very Richie Smullen fight. You know, pulls uh, Harry Hardwick to the ground, who's a very good fighter. These Hardwick boys are, are no joke, uh, and he kind of dominated them <clears> on top. Landed a bit more in, in this I mean, fight. He kind of looked got. looked to be stuck in a guillotine at one stage, but we've seen Richie Smullen kind of tough out a lot of guillotines in the past. But uh, you know, he seems to get his head caught in guillotines a lot, and maybe he would have been more dominant and won more kind of. 
you know, uh, wide if if he could kind of fix that problem. But obviously taking nothing away from Hardwick, as you said, he's, this guy's no joke. So uh, it's, it's a good win for Richie Smolin to get back to the win column. Uh, it's an important fight, you know, six and two and five and three are very different records, you know. Uh, at the start of your career, it's important to, to, to not, you know, get on a losing streak. Yeah, 100%. It also adds pressure as well. Yeah, yeah, good display. I think, like, Richie's the type of guy that he's so dominant in that one area, like, taking guys down and on top. If he can maybe add a few, like, like James, what we talked about earlier on, if he can add a few more submissions to it and maybe up the work rate in terms of strikes in that position when he feels more comfortable, like, being on top and, war, you know, uh, being dominant on top, that, you know, that'll kind of change his game I think and changed the way he wins fights as well because the last fight that was maybe the issue that there wasn't enough on top but you know that's obviously a, a, a learning experience as well and he seemed to uh, learn from that last fight and, and came in here against Sanya Harry Hardwick and did uh, what he needed uh, Franz Malambo as well came in look as Franz Malambo always does he looks solid striking really good beautiful jab one twos down through the middle and as he almost is as well, get goes for a guillotine, goes, goes for a submission, almost ends up in a leg lock. <laughs> got, a, got a couple of takedowns as well, yeah. Got a couple of takedowns. Uh, you don't usually see that from Franz. Good to good to see him mixing it up and being confident, confident everywhere. And it was a, it was a very good win against a, a good guy. Like you know, Corey Tate's a good striker as well, and uh, obviously Franz is, is a good striker. We've seen that even in even in his loss against Ricky Bandejos, he was he was doing very well until he got clipped. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, uh, Dominic Wooding fight like it is, everybody knows. Dominic Wooding's a very good, very good striker as well. So there's, there's kind of no doubt about Franz's striking ability. So it's definitely good to see him, you know, mixing in the mixing in the grappling and the wrestling and going for a few submissions and coming like for one second there I thought he was actually going to get the guillotine and I was going to have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. he got, he didn't get, I think he got one before as well, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he got one before, but. Uh... Yeah, a really good performance. I think like, I think that was like a nin a ninja choke or something, was it? It was yeah, kind of like yeah. some kind of I don't know, maybe it was like a modified guillotine or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Friends is uh Friends is one of these guys that if it clicks for him, and if he can, if he can kind of keep the fight striking, I suppose he's gonna beat everyone because his striking is like really good. Like he was dominating Ricky Bendez and he got caught with a big shot, but uh, there's, especially in this side of the world, I don't think there's many people gonna beat Franz Malambo if he can keep him in the striking realm, and uh, especially one yeah. of the thirty five. I think if he, I think he's a guy who needs to keep busy. He needs to keep fighting. He needs to keep fighting. If if he if he goes a long time with him fights, uh, historically anyway, I think he's maybe not in the gym as much as he should be uh, when he doesn't have a fight lined up. So I think having fights lined up for him, we saw in the uh, the amateur world championships when he won the the gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that when he's fighting regularly and in shape and in training camp, he's he's lethal on the feet and he's always good on the feet. But he has that f- stopping power when he's when he's fighting regularly and just just it just benefits him to keep that momentum going and keep the keep the fights coming. Yeah, yeah, really good performance for him again. Uh, Ed Lee got a win against Jeremy Peatley here uh, as well with a big head kick. Lovely. Uh, I think that was kind of the knee inside uh, that landed on the head. Really, really nice finish. Uh, Daniel Skatizi got a win over Gavin Hughes. I think he's fighting out of SPG, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that was a good guillotine. Uh, you know, SPG known for their guillotines. He got that in the, the first round there. Uh, Alfie Davis against Akon Wanless. A high-level fight here. Uh, and Alfie Davis managed to get the win. Wanless 4-2, and two, but that record, you know, he'll, he'll be back again and he'll he'll win lots of fights and he'll improve that record. A very tough fight against yeah. Alfie Davis. Looks like he should 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 he shouldn't really have been in there against Alfie Davis uh, this early in his career, you know. Uh, but I think 
I think it was good matchmaking in terms of the fight itself, but in terms of making a guy fall to four and two this early in his career when he's that good, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was somebody who's, yeah if that was an Irish guy, you'd be thinking, mm, yeah. maybe he should have waited to fight somebody like Abby Davis. Yeah, it was a bit of brave matchmaking, wasn't it? You know, just tra- throwing guys in there against a really tough matchup at a too early stage of their career, but... Yeah, these things happen in MMA. Ion uh, Pascu again, who seems to fight fucking every weekend. <laughs> you know, he's always wrong. Got, a, got another win. He's, he's 29 fights, so a very good win for him. Uh, George Hardwick then uh, got one back for the family, winning the unanimous decision over Nicolas Sololo. Uh, and then we had the main card. Uh, Mike Shipman, f- first of all, we'll get to the other two then. Mike Shipman versus uh, Pietro Panini. Not a great fight, I think. You know, I think Shipman just landed the more strikes, got on top in round three, and, and uh, did that one well there. Uh, and then Will Flory fought uh, Ken Kapainen, who obviously is known as a, a kickboxer. And Will, you know, he either fought all the way out or all the way in. And I thought it was a really, really like it was. It was an intelligent display from Will Flory here. I think pushed him against the cage when he needed to, uh, got some good double legs, taking him down. There was one one stage, Kapoinen had like 100% on Will Flory. It looked like he was about to like get him out, and Will just kind of raw bastarded his way through it, caught his tans again. Don't, don't you mean to, the raw one? The, the raw, raw one. one. <laughs> Will effing Fury. It's like, we're watching lads fucking bludgeon each other here. Just say fucking like, come on. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a very good uh, very good performance from, uh, from Will Flory, and you know, there might be a couple of big fights ahead for him because as we get to the main event, Fabian Edwards obviously lost here and there's a lot of beef before it. it was, I was on the media call uh, during the week there and uh, the Fabian Edwards' one ended and it goes, Will Flory's up next and Fabian heard it and he was like, fuck Will Flory. <laughs> I was like, ooh, and I asked Will Flory about it. He's like, yeah, I'd love that fight. You know, let's let's have that fight next. So maybe that's a possibility. But uh, good to see Will getting back to winning ways here. Obviously, he took a fight outside. Uh, of the uh, of the promotion, I asked him about that during the week, and he said, "Yeah, maybe it was a little bit foolhardy, you know. Maybe he he jumped into that fight too quickly and up a weight, and he shouldn't have probably taken it. But uh, he it was a big win for him here. He needed to win this, and you know, a lot of people, including myself, maybe thought this was a tough matchup. Obviously, Kapoinen, uh, very good striker, uh, and uh, Will Flory just I thought he was I thought he was a little bit too smart for him. So a very good uh, very good performance there from uh, from Will Flory." Um, before we get to the main event, what, what do you think of Will Graham and what, what do you think of his uh, his prospects? Like that that sort yeah. of the game can be dangerous. Even you know just being a fucking being a raw bastard, like it, it's a, it's a game that will get you far in MMA, won't it? Yeah, I think like you could hear what what Kavanaugh was saying to him in the corner or in the during the rounds, and you could keep the distance, keep the range, and then when you get inside, you just kind of talk him through. Nothing, not trying to submit the guy. You're just trying to wear on him, kind of yeah. thing. It sounded like to me, and I think that was the perfect game plan. And you could see Kent kind of slowly, you know, well, uh, welting like some of the takedowns at the end of the fight came came easy because he just didn't have the. He knew he was beat. Basically, he knew that uh, once Will Flurry had him down, that was kind of that was kind of it. Um, and Will Flurry, obviously, he's had some he's had some nice nice performances on the feet in the past. But I think if he does stick to this kind of wrestle heavy uh, offense and you know posi- uh, position over submission, I think I think that can work much better for him than than you know duking it out in the feet. Like he he obviously is able to you know. He's able to exchange on the feet, but for long periods against top guys, I think that could could become a problem. So, I think being this 
being this wrestle heavy grinder is definitely definitely the option that looks to be the best for for Will Flurry going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I, I talked about James Webb earlier. I'd love to see that fight actually be great. I know they're in different promotions, but it'd be a good fight. But I feel like if Will Flurry got that sort of game as well, heavy on top, you know, catch wrestling type arm triangles and stuff like that, where he is not taking as many chances maybe, and you know, going for going for those sort of big. Uh, jiu-jitsu submissions where you're not losing too much even if you don't get it yeah I think even when he went you know when he went for the back in the fight and kind of ended up having yeah, to stand up off and out stuff, of it. Yeah. you know yeah. yeah even not even going for the back and just like okay if the guy is like basically completely knackered then okay you can maybe mm-hmm. take the back but just keeping grinding little shots get the odd big shot in make him work i think that's the that's the way to go i agree but like you look at that as well and that's was kind of the thing i saw and will flory is a he's a smart guy, he'll go back and he'll watch that fight and I'm sure he'll see that, like, with maybe improvement, I think his striking has improved an awful lot and he's, defensively he's improved an awful lot, maybe if, I don't know, maybe I'm talking out of turn, maybe he left the jiu-jitsu behind a little bit, we're trying to improve his striking, but if he gets back and gets, both, like, both will naturally improve anyway, but I think, you know, me talking about jiu-jitsu, like, but, you know, I think if his jiu-jitsu improves a bit and his heavy game top heavy game improves uh and he can you know stay on top and, and control a bit more on top because he's he's very good takedowns he's good at getting inside good at pushing guys against the fence and you know still early enough in his career and those things can come as well so uh yeah good performance from will flory but with obviously looking at things that he can improve on as well which i'm sure he'll be delighted with because he's one of those guys that wants to keep improving so a good performance there uh, and in the main event Costello Vancinas versus uh, Fabian Edwards. This is one of those fights where everyone knows who won the second round. Everyone knows who won the third round. Yeah. And in the first round, nothing happened. And nothing really happened in the first round. Mm-hmm. It was it was leg kicks versus like one kind of punch that kind of stuttered uh, Vancinas. Uh, it's really hard to call that first round. <sighs> yeah, I I thought Vancinas won it just because I, he landed mm, those heavy leg kicks. Like Fabian did land that one shot. I, I, that stunned him, yeah. It's, How it's badly really, it was did up it in the air, him, like, yeah. yeah. I, like, Vancinas landed yeah, that's, a few... Yeah, that's hard to know, like, like yeah. yeah. It was it was one of those rounds that, like, there's no way you can call it a robbery either way if anyone had given it. And it was a split... Like, it had split decision written all over it because, like, it... I was split myself on the first round. I was like, who the fuck? Who the fuck <laughs> like, do, you do, you think, do you think if, if like, you know, if... Um, Van Steenis was the the big prospect undefeated and he had of rocked Fabian and not rocked but stunned him in the first round and Fabian had it just landed a few leg kicks you think it would have went the other way I don't, I don't know it's it's just such a razor close round I don't know yeah, I don't it, know. it's hard to call either way you can't really argue with either way I think yeah I, I don't think that plays into because I think I think these were like American judges as well I think uh, so I don't know how much they'd read into like Fabian Edwards is this big uh this big prospect like that's the thing as well with the, the officiating teams like there was a UFC card on in Abu Dhabi last night and there was a Cage Warriors card on and there was a Bellator card on and like it's all this sort of side of the world's teams and I know that they, some of the Australian ones and so forth as well but like the and I, I, I actually agree with this decision so I'm not calling them out or anything but you know the judging and the refereeing things over the next while are going to be are going to be stretched a little bit thin uh, in, if we have nights like this and uh I actually think everyone and all the cards did really well. To be honest, I there wasn't many like insane any insane cards. I don't think uh, are bad referee stoppages or anything. So we must uh, praise them for that. But uh, 
yeah anyway but yeah like and whichever whichever way you scored it like it's just a, it's another a second in a row uh, disappointing performance from fabian edwards yeah. um you know obviously he's fighting a experienced tough guy 13 two now but for the for the ability that he has and you know when he had to go do it in the third round he was well able to do it, it it's like why aren't you doing that earlier why are you so happy to just do nothing in the first round and when you're taking down in the second round you're just throwing up legs you're the odd time for a triangle or try to control the wrist it wasn't really there why aren't you getting back up why it's just a lackadaisical approach to 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 losing during the fight and then okay in the third round he comes out he needs to make something happen and he and he not dominates but he wins comfortably the the third round but you need to you need you need to make this happen earlier why are you letting this happen to you again like okay against shipman you, you got away with it in a lot of people's minds um and you didn't kind of learn the lesson mm-hmm. yeah like he he should have acted like that win was a loss and like learned the lesson from it but this <laughs> This happens to fighters sometimes. It's happened to... I feel like his brother is a little bit like that as well. He kind of fights in him, inside himself a little bit. Like, it happens to Woodley a little bit as well. Like, like it's it's a thing that he'll need to overcome, and I'm not sure how he overcomes it, because the, the thing about Edwards is he fights Do you think it's overcautiousness, game. or what? Do you think it's too cautious, or what do you think it is? I just, try, I just think he's trying to fight... You know, he's trying to hit and not get hit, you know. But when you do that in MMA, like sometimes in MMA, you have to get hit. You know, you have to get... And especially if you're a guy like Fabian Edwards, who has bludgeoning body kicks and big shots inside and has big power. To land those big shots, sometimes you're going to have to get hit once or twice yourself. And that's just the reality of it. And if you're fighting in an MMA style, uh, unless you're like a wrestler who wants to pull guys down, if you're fighting a striking style, which is predicated on absolutely not getting hit, you're going to have fights like this. You're going to have split decisions. You're going to have close fights. You you just are. Uh, and you're, he's going to need to adjust his style. Like, it's it's grand fighting like that if you have one-punch knockout power and you're waiting for 15 minutes to land it. But even then, it's not because you're going to lose fights that way as well. You He's going to have to adjust his game because... As you said there, you said it perfectly. He has all the skills. Like you know, he's good on the ground. He is you know good jujitsu, big knockout power. All the shots, great kicks, great leg kicks, body kicks. He can punch straight down the middle. He can throw big hooks. He has it all. But why isn't he? Why isn't he letting it go? And I think it's, I think it's uh, maybe a little bit of paralysis by analysis. Maybe a little bit like that. But uh, yeah, there's something's gonna have to happen. And it's funny because that gym. I think they've gone that way a little bit. You know, Tom Breeze, remember him against uh, against Carl Binder? He came out and let his hands go. You know, knocked him out like that. Fabian was like that at the start. Remember that? Even as an amateur, he got that uh, got that submission after going mad in that first round. You know, maybe maybe that's an adjustment. Maybe it's a learning fight like that, and they, they change because of that. But I think in MMA these days, and especially when you get to the higher level, there is a risk factor that you can't avoid if you want to win. You just can't avoid it. And uh, he has avoided it for the last two fights, and he won one and he lost one. And uh, that's just... It's very unfortunate. But look, a good win for Castillo Vancinas as well, coming in against a guy like Fabian Edwards, who has a lot of hype and who everyone thinks is the the next big thing. But, uh, yeah. Like, I, I think that Will Flory fight is an interesting fight as well next for Fabian Edwards because Will will give him the same sort of problems. Like, maybe not the same sort of problems as Castillo Vancinas, but he'll give him the problems 
that, that Fabian Edwards faces in that if he doesn't let his hands go and he allows Will Flory to come inside, like Will will push him against the cage, absolutely no problem for 15 minutes, you know. Will will play that game, he will say, right, I'm, I'll win a unanimous decision over you, pushing you against the cage and you not hitting me for 15 minutes. And those are the sort of fighters he's going to get before he gets to our level. You know, I spoke to Fabian during the week and he says, next, after this fight, he wanted Douglas Lima. He wanted Gegard Mousasi. Well, he's going to have to rethink that a little bit now after this loss, and he's going to have to rethink his game a little bit as well because he's a. And we're saying this because we think I think both of us would agree because he's so good. Like he can be one of the best fighters in the world. I think he can be a Bellator champion, but he can't fight like this. He's going to need to adjust his game and make it a little bit more. And it's not much, actually. I think a little bit more offensive. Like Adesanya last night, you know. In that fight against Romero, he wasn't offensive enough. He wasn't throwing those shots on the way forward to make the fight not a close fight. You know, a lot of people, I think myself included, if I remember correctly, thought Romero won that because Adesanya didn't throw enough. Last night, he started throwing enough. He started finding ways to enter to land offensive strikes. That's what Fabian Edwards is going to do. Uh, need to do more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway. Right, I think that's it, Graham. We might answer a few questions before we go. This is a big, long podcast here. Um, Paul Chillage, do you think Cannoneer can seal victory over Adesanya? Do you, do you give him any chance, Graham? Adis, uh, Cannoneer against Adesanya? Yeah, not much of a chance. There's always a chance in MMA, but uh, yeah, I think Adesanya is definitely skill wise and is, is, on, is on a different level. Um. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree as well. Was Reyes all hype? Paul Chilich says, um, does Blahovic have what it takes to beat Jones if it happens? What do you think of those two? Oh, does he have what it takes to beat Jones? Um, I, I don't think so, but I've been wrong about everything to do with his, his recent career, so uh, <laughs> what do I know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think Reyes, yeah, yeah. I think Reyes, I don't know. I just It was a bad performance from, obviously, it was... Uh, you know, it was a good performance from Jan, but Reyes didn't really get going, and he kind of got started to get going just before he was finished. Yeah. But you know, uh, there was a lot of damage done, but before he kind of got going, I, it's it's you know, it's it's early enough days in his career. I think he'll come back. I definitely don't think he's all hype, but uh, it definitely was a, a shock loss, a big loss for him. He reminded me a little bit of Luke Rockhold against Michael Bisping as well. I think he was kind of going in there expecting to win. And you can't do that. You know, you can't, you can't do that at any fucking uh, division, especially light heavyweight with uh, a big striker like Jan Blachowicz in front of you. But, uh, yeah, obviously we'll answer all the rest of these questions. If you sent in a question, it will be answered on Patreon in the Q&A. It'll be out Tuesday morning, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. But uh, Blue, Blue Nose Greg says here about... Uh, Shimaev versus Romero, but we 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 into talking about Shim. Actually, before we get to no, okay, we we ended on another thing that people probably want to tune out for. We'll talk about it for about ten seconds. But uh, Shimaev, uh, there's talks of Wonderboy, but Ariel reported last night he doesn't want that fight. Does Wonderboy? Wonderboy says he wants to fight Masvidal or who's the other one? Uh, Leon Edwards. Um, Shimaev, what do you think? Like we talked about the Maya fight before, and okay, people don't want to see Maya getting hurt and stuff, but like people don't want to see Maya get hurt. have a bit of respect for Maya like he could win that fight he absolutely could win that fight I, I think that's a yeah. good fight I think it's a good next move for, for Shimaev I think it's not a bad fight for Maya either you know he's not fighting for the title anytime soon there's no bigger name in MMA now than, than Shimaev that he's going to get I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that fight and people are like oh no, I'm worried about Damien Maya and I'll Damien Maya uh, if anything if anything you know if anything, I think it's a risky, risky yeah. fight for Shimaev. Absolutely. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't see the, the Maya, poor Maya thing. Uh, Maya's, 
you know, he's he's beaten some of the, the best guys there's ever been and been in there with some of the best guys there's ever been. He's obviously he's not he's not in his prime, but um he hasn't looked like BJ Penn or anything the way no. <laughs> to be talking the way people are talking like that. So yeah, I I think that you know, bef- before the the last Shimaev fight I thought, oh maybe this is too early for for Shimaev and when he won that fight, I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe this makes sense now. I don't, I definitely don't see it the other way. Yeah, like I think the matchmaking to do here is Maya versus Shimaev, uh, Wonderboy versus Edwards, and Masvidal versus Diaz too. I think, I think that's simple enough. Get it done. Let, let's do that. Would you agree with the, with those three fights? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, think, uh, like, I haven't said all that. I do think Shimaev would probably beat Maya, but I don't think it's like this, like, oh, poor Maya, yeah. disgrace. Uh, don't want to see this kind of thing. People just haven't a clue, really, have they? Like, people, they, oh, they see him fighting three fights and think, oh, he's the greatest fight, he's going to destroy everyone. But like, And he probably will, like, but make no mistake about it, Damien Maya is no walkover for fucking anyone. Make no mistake about that, like. But, uh, yeah. What Except Nate Marquardt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think, uh, and people, feel free to tune out here while we talk for the next five seconds about this. Uh, Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao, Graham? Any interest? Um, like, if it happens, I'll definitely watch it, but I definitely don't think that's uh, the fight anybody, anybody was hoping for or the bout anybody was hoping for. Yeah. I have absolutely no interest in it. Like, I don't want... If it happens, I'm going to have to end up covering it and everything, but I don't want to... I have no interest in it. Like, why... Like, we we have one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen, the biggest star in the history of the sport, and he's going fighting a fucking boxing fight that everyone knows he's going to lose because he's going to earn a lot of money. Like, fair play to him. I'm happy he's getting a lot of money and everything, but, like, it's... As an MMA fan, I'm speaking purely as an MMA fan. I'm not talking as, like, a, a journalist or someone who's looking at it from Conor McGregor's side and thinking he's getting a lot of money, which fair play to him. It's sad, like it is sad. Like, imagine if Shimaev went away now and said, ah, "I'm not fighting MMA anymore." Or, or do you, you know, or, yeah. do you think? Or, do you think it's or, gonna happen? Yeah, do you think it's gonna happen? I, I think it. Yeah, I think it probably. Yeah. Will, yeah, yeah. Because like the the thing about it, they want to fight in the Middle East. Dimbai's given loads of money for big matchups like this, and uh, they've uh, paid WWE and stuff. And there's no crowds at those WWE events, and they're paying them fifty million. I think Dave Meltzer said per event. So like, if you give uh, uh, you know, twice that to Conor McGregor and Manny Pacquiao, which they have no problem. The boys have plenty, you know, they have plenty of money. I'm sure McGregor and Pacquiao would take fifty million each to to take that fight, wouldn't they? Uh, so yeah, I think it probably, I think it probably will happen. Yeah, but I don't know. Who who knows? May, may, I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. I, like I saw Dave Doyle put up a thing yesterday. Which would you rather see, Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez or Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao? And I'm like. Can I just die instead? Like, can we have can we have a real fight here? Like, can we have I don't know anyone? Like, oh, uh, it's I, I'm speaking purely as like an MMA fan here. Like, I I want to see. I feel like the one of the best fighters. One well, of the did, fighters didn't of Diego didn't yeah. did didn't did did Diego say something about? F- fucking faking an ACL injury or something. Oh, did he? Well, At like some stage was there something? Wasn't there something in the past that would make? I can't remember exactly. There was something that Diego said on was, Twitter or like a string of things he said. When McGregor, maybe, McGregor like, coming know, up, there was lots of beef between Diego. And like that would have been a good fight to make when McGregor was yeah, coming up. I can't up even remember, but yeah, yeah. But the money, the money Pacquiao one, there's just there's nothing there. Like there's not even, you know, past tweets or I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah, the Floyd thing, like, you know, there was like back yeah. and forth for a long time and stuff like that. There was that, but uh yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know if this fight will happen or this bout will happen or whatever. But yeah, it definitely isn't the fight. I, I, I don't think um, many MMA or boxing fans will be, you know, foaming at the mouth for this one. No, indeed not. And uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen. But anyway, right. Thank you to everybody for listening. A bit of a bumper podcast, even though we didn't even talk about next week's fights. But we will talk about them uh, in the in the coming week. And we'll have a new podcast out for free for everyone. Uh, to listen to us so enjoy that and if you enjoyed this and you want to listen to more podcasts and the Q&A and all that patreon.com forward slash severe meh podcast help us keep the lights on for another while anyway and keep us going uh, as, apologies to Gary Davis for slandering <laughs> to start to the podcast as well <laughs> sorry about that um, and all that's left to do Graham is give the inspirational quote of the week shallow men believe in luck or in circumstance strong men believe in cause and effect See you next Tuesday. Or Wednesday, maybe.